So this morning is so interesting to me what the Lord has shown me, I feel, about being made in his image. That's the overall theme. What does it really mean to be made in God's image? And I want to start with the fact that in 1994, my family and I moved to Chile. We moved down in the mining industry and we moved to an area where, you know, people are chasing gold. It's about, about get, get, get and go, go, go. Y'all understand what I mean? When you go to a mining town, there's one reason people are there to get, get, get and go, go, go. Uh, it was large copper mines and gold mines and I worked in them and the family went with me. And within about three months, I was starving to death spiritually. And I said, Lord, bring me somebody that can fellowship with me. And the very next day, I was in a bookstore they call Libreria in Spanish. We know what that is. And Bienvenida a los que no hablan inglés. I welcome those here that don't speak English. Susana's parents are here today. Uh, that's what we call a place where you go buy little booklets and pencils and pens. And I looked over, and there was this big old strapping blonde guy with a big beard. And he's preached here before in our first year. And it was Don Cartledge. And I said, I thought, well, there's a po potential sale there. What mine are you with? He said, well, I'm not. I'm a missionary. I've been here 17 years. Wow. He had been there a long time when we showed up. And I ended up having an intimate relationship with the Lord because of the help of Don Cartledge. On the first of the year, Don, out of the blue, sent me a book called Be Thou My Vision. And it's a daily, I don't call it devotional anymore, but personal worship guide. And it sort of sat there and sat there on the edge of my bed and sat there. You know how it is. I don't want to add something else that I've got to do. And then I got sick. And I cried out to the Lord and I saw Don's little book there and I picked it up and I began reading it. And it fed my soul, realizing that I had neglected the Lord really in personal worship. Sermon preparation is not personal worship. Personal worship is personal worship. Amen. And so I opened it up the first day. I think it was maybe, can't remember. And I began to reading it. It began reading it. And I just said, Lord, speak to me in this. And I put the little song on, Word of God Speak. I'm finding myself at a loss for words. And the funny thing is, it's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard. But to hear what you would say, Word of God Speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place? Let me stay and rest in your holiness, word of God speak. I'm finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise. All that I need is to be with you and in the quiet hear your voice. And as I was reading or listening to that, I don't remember, rain began to fall. It hadn't rained, guys, in three months. Is that a God incidence or what? And I bring this up because this is how we'll end. Human beings are the only creations that are made in the image of God and as such can have that kind of a relationship with the God in heaven. That's the end of the sermon. We can go home. I mean, it is just so amazing that we among all the creatures on the earth, can have that kind of thing. And you could say, well, you know, it was a coincidence. Hey, it may have been. I don't believe much in coincidence anymore. I'm kind of beyond that, right? 
So we're in the book of Genesis, which is Bereshit. They're in Hebrew, in the beginnings. So in the beginning, we last, last week we learned that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was outside of that statement. In the beginning, God did it. God did it before time. God did it before matter. And I told you last week, I'm not so concerned about how he did it. We couldn't understand it if he told us. Other than he did it with his words, okay? I'm not so concerned about when he did it. I'm concerned about why he did it and who did it. And it was God that did it. If you missed last week, that was the message. That we focus on the who and we focus on the why. And the why is because he wants that relationship with you and me where we sit on our bed when we come to the end of ourselves and he sends his word like rain on the roof. Amen. Guys, that, that is the Holy Spirit ministering. The skeptics and the scientists say, well, God's a fairy tale. You're believing in something that's not real. Oh, yeah? Well, then you tell me why existence is. Tell me about self-awareness. Tell me about how matter came into being. Tell me about consciousness. No skeptic, no science can tell us any of that. Science teaches us no morality, but it teaches us facts, okay? But they cannot answer these questions of consciousness and self-awareness, and self-awareness is what God put in us as being made in his image, where we can have a response with him unlike anything else on planet Earth. <clears throat> the mountains don't. The doggies don't. My horses don't. Cows don't. Chickens. You fill in all, all the critters. None of them have that relationship because none are made in the image, and we're going to talk about, of God. Our response to these people is, your position is so illogical because how could anything but a divine architect create what you and I see? Nothing else in our experience just happened. This pulpit didn't happen. Those plates didn't happen. That box didn't happen. It was created and designed by a designer made in God's image. Same with the cross, the table. So why would the universe be any different? The heavens declare, says the psalmist in 19, the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Open your Bibles, please, today to Genesis 1. I'm not going to have all of the scripture up here. And uh, I wanted to add that if there was a big bang, then the question is, where is the stuff, did the stuff came from that banged, right? And who lit the match that made the bang? So I want our young people, Sarah, Gracie, here to know, and you, some of you older young people, that believing in a creator God as being creator of the universe is the most rational end you can come to when you examine the evidence that's out in the world. <clears throat> I want to add Genesis is not a metaphor. It's not a myth. God did it for a reason. He teaches us truth in his word, and it gives us purpose. And the purpose that we have is to be in relationship with him. Have y'all ever looked up and seen something like that in the sky? I have. You've, you've never been to summer camp out in West Texas, if you hadn't, or been in Chile. I've looked up. I remember when I was little and even when I was older and said, God, what does this mean? Have y'all never done that? I mean, looked at, at literally at the stars in heaven and said, God, what does this mean? And how do I fit into this? What is my purpose? If you're this, what am I? And David answered it. 
David said in Psalm 8 as he looked up, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about this, what is man? He's thinking of man being immortal, having a body, that you're mindful of him, that God, that you're even thinking about him. The son of man, that's us. And you visited him, for you made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. How are we lower than the angels? Because we have bodies that die. Angels don't, okay? That's how we're lower than the angels. And David's just saying, God, how is it that we who have this mortal body and die are in charge of this entire world and not even the angels are? And you made him to have dominion. That's where he ties it to what we're reading today. Of the works of thy hands, and you have put all things under his feet. Brothers and sisters, man has a unique status and role in the universe. Amen? God creates sky and is ruler over it. All right? Then God said, we're starting there at verse 6, and you can look up there, and that's kind of my idea. I didn't bring my pointer today. Of a firmament. The firmament's going to be the space, is that what we call the sky, okay? And we're going to read now how God made the sky, and there were waters under it. We know all about that, oceans. And there was a water cap above it, okay? A vapor barrier of some kind. Because the Bible tells us in verse 6, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. Firmament's kind of an odd word. And it was so. Actually, the word in Hebrew is a vault, like a big vault. I think of an empty vault. So that's really a better description than a firmament, isn't it? I think the word is bikra in Hebrew. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So God made this expanse of the heavens, and last week we heard of the first day, and God ended it where he said the evening and the morning is the first day. Any of y'all ever wondered why the Jews count their days from the evening to the morning? It's because of this in Genesis 1. And what's interesting, they begin the day when they see not one star, not two stars, but three stars in heaven. And that's the beginning of the day. And as I said, and, and, and uh, Robert Alter, who's a great Jewish uh, biblicist, I guess I would call him, has a translation that I'm using as we study this, and he's the one that introduced me to the idea of it being a vault. It's a vault between waters that were above and waters that were below. And as I said, there was this vapor shield above, and I'm thinking maybe that vapor shield is what caused people to live for a thousand years. Shielding out all that radio, that that radiation that affects us and hurts us, and uh, and so that was up there. And also, it's interesting because this is saying God created the sky because the surrounding cultures in Mesopotamia worship things that were in the sky. They worship the sky, and God is saying in this thing, "Don't worship the sky because I made the sky." There's a pantheon of gods. Do y'all know what a pantheon means? A whole list of these sky gods. Anu, the sky god, and Enlil, the god of the atmosphere, were thought to determine the kings of Samaria. Baal, or Baal as we say, was described as the rider of the clouds. He was the god of the rain and the storms. And God in this place is saying, it is God that put the sky in the sky. It is God that put the heavens in the heaven. I just think that's great. 
when we were in Boise a couple of weeks ago, I'm just, this is an add on here and we'll get to this with the flood. I heard them talking about tsunami clouds. Anybody in here ever heard of a tsunami cloud? I had never heard of a tsunami cloud. As I flew down in Las Vegas, the lady was next to me. She said, I'm from Florida. Is there any water out here? I said, well, there used to be a thing called Lake Mead. And I said, but it all kind of dried up and almost was gone. And there's a big dam called Hoover Dam. And we looked out. I said, there it is right now. And she looked. She goes, wow. And Lake Mead looked almost full. So when I got to Boise, I said, I thought Lake Mead was empty. They said, oh, about two years ago, something called a tsunami cloud came. And the scientists determined that it held as much water as the Mississippi River in its entirety from Minnesota to New Orleans. And it dumped over Las Vegas, and it filled up Lake Mead. And I thought, wow, that is how a global flood could happen. You get a tsunami cloud going on everywhere all at once, and you're going to have Lake Mead times a million, okay? I just thought that I'd throw that in. We're going to talk about that when we get to the flood. Day three. <clears throat> then God said, let the words, that, let the waters that are under the heavens, that's the ones down on earth, be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. Well, what we see going on there is the creation of topography, right? So God is fashioning things. He's not creating them now. And he's letting the water go down to the low spots. Mountains are popping up. Maybe tectonic plates suddenly rose or lowered. And we see the seas are formed, okay? And it was so, verse 10. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So he had already set up the earth that was created now for the plants that he's then going to create. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Whose seed is in itself. Well, I looked at that and I meditated on that. And I thought about that. And I think God created perfectly mature trees right at that moment. I think he spoke it into being and there was a big giant oak tree covered with acorns because it says that the seed was in itself. And it also says according to its kind over and over and over in. And I told you I would teach you this from a kind of a Hebrew perspective. Distinctives and divisions are brought out over and over bad and good. We're going to see bad and good. Okay. The, the light and the darkness and the different species, they're all designated. So oak trees didn't evolve and become pear trees. God made pear trees. God made oak trees. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb that yields seed. Again, we hear again, according to its kind. And a tree, tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself, according to its kind. Right there, we hear three times, according to its kind. So what's important, Pastor, about according to its kind? I think that species were created that remain the species that they are. As I told you all last week, I don't think that cats became dogs or that tadpoles became me. I think that God created species that then change and they adapt according to the environment that they're in. And God saw that it was good. 13, so evening and morning were the third day. Look how God keeps saying he saw that it was good. When someone compliments you on something, did God denigrate himself here? Be open to accepting the compliments of others. 
you know, a lot of times you can't compliment people. Oh, no, no, it's all God. It's all God. Well, God didn't say that. God looked at what he had created and he said it was good. He did a good thing. Okay. That's okay. You can be like God and say, thank you very much. I'm so pleased you enjoyed it. I mean, I remember when I was young, people would come up and go, oh, your eyes are so interesting and blue. I go, oh, no, they're not really. That's so disingenuous. And then I thought, these are a gift from God. I said, well, thank you. I'm glad that you enjoy them. I do too. I look through them. Day four. Then God said, and look at these visuals. Aren't they fantastic with our audio visual system? Verse 14, look in your Bible. God said, let there be lights. Are there any names given here? No. No names at all. And this is significant. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. The other surrounding cultures worship these planets and things. They called them by name and God specifically here does not call them the sun and the moon. And I think that's purposeful. I think it tells us that God puts these astral bodies in the sky and they're there for his pleasure and for his working and for him to create seas that have tides and the sun that heats the earth perfectly. We didn't think so in August, but it's feeling a little bit better now. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, about about the sun and the distance of the sun from the earth. But they were all created for his purpose. They are not to be worshipped. 15. And let them be for lights in the firmament. That's the sky that we just talked about of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And then God made two great lights. The great, remember, he's not calling the great lights anything, is he? Two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And then as an add-in, And as a throw-on, and as a casual thing, as Amanda said, the editor, he made the stars also. Yeah, let's just throw in about 10 million galaxies while we're at it, right? Isn't God amazing? He made the stars also. And no, like I say, no, it's never named as the sun, never named as the moon. And, you know, I, I looked over, and in Deuteronomy 419, the Israelites were specifically prohibited from worshiping the sun, moon, and the stars. We get off track when we begin to worship the creation instead of the creator. Amen? And it makes it clear that these objects are created by God and they're created for him to create signs and seasons and the tilting. Think about how many times the earth's tilted back and forth. Someone asked me the other day, uh, about six weeks ago, do you think it'll ever get cool again? Yeah. Because God has it where the earth's rocking back and forth. We had that conversation. Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. A lot of people argue and say, well, this can't be because the plants were created before the sun and the moon. We don't know that. We read that God made light in the very beginning, okay? And as I said, and we just studied the other book in, which was Revelation. God, with his own presence, provides all the light needed in, in the city four square where we're all going to end up someday. So I don't know if this is a recap of that or that was something different. And you know what? It just doesn't matter. 
Day five. Oh, I'm sorry. And God saw that it was what? It was good. God called his own creation good. In the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Day five. That's Jesus out there making that stuff. Isn't that cool? I saw that and had to take that off Google. Then God said, let the waters above with an abundance of, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament. That means of the sky of the heavens. So God created, and this is the second time we see the word in Hebrew, barah, which only God can do. It means to create out of nothing. So God created out of nothing great sea creatures. Now, my New King James Version said, or I'm sorry, the New, new the J- King James Version says whales. Well, guys, these are not whales. All right. And my New King James calls that there. It says uh, great sea creatures. Well, the real word in Hebrew is taninim, taninim. And it means serpents, dragons, sea monsters. And this was the this was the thing that the surrounding cultures were worshiping, okay? It's in there specifically by name. And what the Lord is saying here is stop worshiping what I am creating. I made those things that are in the sea that you guys are out worshiping when they would hear this text or when Moses would share it. And every living thing that moves with which waters abounded according to their kind, again, no species jumping, y'all follow me? Birds don't become fish. Fish don't become birds. And every winged bird, according to its kind, and God saw that it was what? Good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. In the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Here we go. Living, creeping creatures, man and woman. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It was tov, all right? So what we're talking about being made in the beginning of day six is all what I call the creepy crawlers. This is the horses, the pigs, the cows, insects, anything else that creeps around, all right, that walks around. What'd you say? All right. I don't know what was said, but. And then this, verse 26, here we go. And God said, let us make man in our image. Wow. Our. Who is our? I read a lot of discussion among the Jewish sages about why in the world does this say our? After our likeness, and let them have dominion. And when it says make man, it says ha-adam. That means let us make a human, all right? Let us make the human in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created the human man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. I don't see any it in there, do you? Male and female created he, them, and God blessed them. 
God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. What is this thing about being made in our image, or let's just say in his image? There's the word for you to look at in Hebrew. I can't do the pointer, but the first word you see to the, the letter to the right means in, okay? That's ba, like ba rashit in the beginning. And this says ba selemnu. The new on the end is the our part of it, okay? Selem is an image. It's the same word that was used for an idol. It actually means a copy, all right? So does it mean that we are just a tripartite being? Pastor Larry and I talk about the fact that we have a soul, a spirit, and a body. And I think we've kind of missed the boat. That may or may not be analogous to God being three persons in one. And here, it may be because we're creative. When we create things, we're doing things. You know, dogs don't go out and make boxes. Uh, Cows don't make carpets. You understand what I'm saying? We have a creative bent in us that is part of God's image within us. And here it is. Humans are the only being in all of creation that can become the very vessel of God. Isn't that amazing that when we are in relationship with him, that God himself, the creator of the entire universe, takes up residence in us with his Holy Spirit, with all of his power and with all of his glory living within us. And we are the only creation that can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So what I want to urge you today is walk in that image. Walk in it and walk it out. It is time for us to begin walking and understanding that we are made in the image of God himself, Yahweh. We are like that image that carries the essence of him. And we're going to talk about that essence. And we're so different than any other I've taught you all wrong when I taught Torah the first time to you. I said that we had a nephesh put in us. We did not. Nephesh is just a living thing. Animals have a nephesh. And we're going to see next week, in, in I, but I got to put it out here today. I just have to. Is that we are the only creation that has the nishmat chayim put in us. If you were speaking Yiddish, you would say chayim. Remember the chayim in that movie? And that means it's a different kind of breath. It's not breath like ruach. It is a breath that goes in of life that makes us a living soul. We have a living soul that will live forever and ever and ever. Alex, who's here on the front row this morning, explained to me last night. He said, Dad, it's so interesting that God did it all in the six days and seven days. And maybe people copied that, but in the ancient temples in Mesopotamia, he told me that when they dedicated a temple, they would do it for seven days. In the six days, and they would put that image in that temple on the sixth day. God put us, guys, in the universe on the sixth day of his creation. He said, you want to see a temple? Look at mine. It's the whole universe. And then God rested. And that's what they would do in these Mesopotamian temples. They put that image in on sixth day, seventh day. They would all rest thinking God wants to rest in his temple. God is at rest in his universe. God is at rule in his universe. God is in control of my life and your lives. 
You know, I just, this is just so stunning. When I first found out that I had a problem and I was ill, I remembered our verse from three years ago. Psalm 56, verse 3, when, am I, when I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Remember, we thought, well, why are we, why are we learning this? We're not afraid of anything. Oh, but life comes to us, doesn't it? Life comes to it. When I am afraid, I will trust in thee. So, guys, brothers, sisters, you have the nishmat chayim in you. I do. Nothing but a human being does. 29, and God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in the, which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, will be for you, for me. Well, it looks like maybe we're, we're all vegetarians then. I know in Genesis very soon that's going to be over with, right? And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and now man has included humans, men, men and women. And behold, it wasn't just good. It says it was meod tov. It was very good. What God created was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. There we go over now to chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work. Did God need to end his work? He ended it because he was finished, right? And on the seventh day, God ended his work, milacha. We know the word in Hebrew for work before was avodah. Remember when we learned that, avodah? This is milacha. This means his productive work. This is work that we're doing for some kind of gain. And that's the idea that on the Sabbath, and Jews are prohibited not from doing uh, avodah, but from doing milaka. That's where we no longer have to chase stuff, right? This gets back to that go, 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 get, get, get that I started off the story with. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had made, and God blessed the seventh day. He holified it, sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all of his work, which God created and made. So the Jews celebrate a Sabbath because they're imitating God. That's, that's what they say. If you look up on the web and look, our Sabbath is Jesus. He's our Sabbath rest. But there is something to learn in here. Jesus rested. And I think when we go, 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 and we get, 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 we are operating our bodies contrary to the way that God wants us to do it. We don't do it as some sort of holy obligation. Guys, we do it because it's just good sense. I thought about the thing about all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Y'all ever heard that? All work and no play makes Jack a dead boy. That's what I was thinking. Go, 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 get, get, get. I'm sorry, you look horrified when I said that. But I was thinking about that as I did this. So what's the big idea? The only logic to the universe of what we see is that a divine architect put it together. That's a great comfort to me. And God in three persons was there at creation. We saw it last week. Father was there. Jesus was there. We know that from what Pastor Daryl is going to preach us on Wednesday. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was there in the beginning. And anything that was made was made by Him. Jesus is there, and he was there in the beginning. And then the Spirit was. It hovered over the waters, remember? 
So God made this unique creation, which is humans, that's you and me. I don't know that we appreciate how special we really are. I don't think that I did till I did this teaching because I and you are very vessels of God himself. That is a giant thing. It's a big deal. It is a God thing. So what I want to say to you is what are these attributes? What's the essence of God? If we're made in his image, how do we then conduct ourselves in his image? When we enter into that relationship with him that I first mentioned, where I'm sitting on my bed, reading the words to that song, finding myself at a loss for words. The funny thing, it's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say. We're there to listen to what he would say to each of us and what he would have you do. That is walking in the spirit. Chris, that is being submitted to the Holy Spirit. And when you are, the attributes of God will be lived out in your life. What are they? Love. You're going to have a love that nobody understands. Why? Because it's divine. You're going to have a joy that does what? Passes all understanding because it's divine. You're going to have a peace which passes all understanding. Love, joy, peace. It's not because you're just this great guy that's figured out how to rely on Scripture. It's because you are made in the image of God and you have the essence of God in you to live it out. Love, joy, peace. And you're going to have a patience that the world can't understand. You want to develop patience, get around the people of God. They'll drive you nuts. They will literally drive you crazy with all kinds of things, questions and problems. But love, joy, peace, and a patience that you'll be given that can only come from the Lord. Long-suffering gentleness. You'll have a gentleness that's inexplicable. A goodness that people sense because they're sensing God in you. So it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. You're going to have a faith that doesn't give up. When your flesh wants to give up, the Holy Spirit will cheer you on to not give up. And last but not least, probably the most divine nature of all is you've got self-control. Animals have no self-control. This morning, I went out to feed my horses, and the difference between animals and humans is I can just rattle that feed can, slightly whistle. And those, you talk about a stampede for the barn. Those horses get in there and they're fighting with each other and suddenly they're not best friends anymore. They're enemies and they're competing for this little piece of grain, all right? And then I bong, 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 and those cows come up from the field. That's the difference between us and animals. We don't want our animalistic nature, let's put it that. We want a God-inspired, Holy Spirit-filled, divine nature within us to be lived out in us and through us for the rest of our lives. Give me an amen if you agree. And that's how we're made in God's image.